We have been studying on Sunday mornings a sermon series called Dealing with Doubts. We've been talking about different Bible stories where people had doubts. Uh, We've looked at several different stories over the last four weeks. Uh, It's a six-week series that that we're going through. And uh, we talked about, uh, several weeks ago, we talked about how Thomas, the original doubter, how he doubted um, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, unless I can see and touch the, the nail marks in his hands and feet, unless I can put my hand in his side, I won't believe it. I will not believe it. And Jesus came to him in the midst of his doubt, and he helped him overcome the fear and doubt that he had over the resurrection. Uh, The next week, uh, we talked about Abraham and Sarah and how they laughed at God. They literally laughed out loud, they LOL'd at God, when God told them that they were going to have a baby late in life. Abraham was nearly 100 years old. Sarah was nearly 90 years old uh, when God told them that they were going to have a baby. And sure enough, a year later, Isaac was born, and his name literally meant laughter. Um, The following week, we talked about having two milligrams of faith. We talked about how uh, if with faith, even as small as a tiny little mustard seed, that God can move the mountains in our lives. And just by having a small amount of faith, uh, God can do incredible things in us and through us. Last week, we talked about Peter, the Apostle Peter, and how he walked on the water, how he had uh, faith to jump out of the boat and to get out of the boat. But the problem was he took his eyes off of Jesus. And he didn't keep his eyes focused on Christ. And when he did, he started to sink. But immediately, Jesus reached out and picked him back up. Next week, we're going to talk about the disciples and how they doubted something that took place right before their very eyes. We're going to talk about how the disciples had doubt over the resurrection of Jesus. But today, we're talking about Gideon. We're going to turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Judges. And we're going to look at the story of one of these judges of Israel. Now, Gideon, uh, you might think, well, you know, he's in the Bible. He must be this mighty warrior for God. He must have done these amazing things for God. When God comes to Gideon and calls him to do something for him, Gideon literally tells God, I am the weakest member of the weakest family of the weakest tribe of Israel. I am the weakling of the weakest of the weakest. He was a nothing 98-pound weakling with the uh, bullies kicking sand in his face on the beach. So, I, so that's Gideon. Yet when God shows up, he says he gives him a greeting. He says, greetings, mighty warrior. And Gideon doesn't understand how this could be. He didn't understand how God could use him to do something mighty. He didn't understand how God could use him to do something amazing. Uh, Gideon doubted that God could use him to do mighty things. He also doubted God's promises to be with him and to give him victory. So Gideon puts God to the test. He put God to the test not once, not twice, but three times he put God to the test. And amazingly enough, he lived to tell about it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The key to overcoming doubt in today's story, in the story of Gideon, the key to overcoming doubt is to not put God to the test in the present but to remember his faithfulness in the past and his promises in the future. Now, if you'll grab your Bible, turn to Judges chapter 6. We're going to begin there. We're going to read a lot of Gideon's story today. And also grab your bulletin, turn to page 3 to the handy-dandy outline. You can fill in some blanks in just a moment. But let me tell you a little bit about this story of Gideon. First, we're going to pray, and then we'll talk about Gideon's story. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to open your word again to dive into it, uh, to learn from it, to grow from it, to grow in faith and faithfulness. And I pray that you would help us to do that just 
very, that very thing today. Thank you again for your word, uh, and thank you for the truth that we find therein. Uh, bless this time now by your Holy Spirit and by your mighty powers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Israelites had been oppressed by the Midianites for seven years. Seven years. Now why? Why was this happening? Why were the Israelites being oppressed by the Midianites? It's because the Israelites did wicked and evil things in the sight of the Lord. They had turned to other gods. They were worshiping other gods. They were committing uh, pagan religious acts. So they're doing all these things that they're not supposed to do. And because of that, God raised up the Midianites and sent them to oppress the Israelites. And the Israelites are just, they're tired of it. And so finally, they turn to God and they cry out to God for help. They cry out to God for deliverance. And sure enough, God raises up a judge. This happened over and over and over again throughout the book of Judges. The Israelites would do wicked, evil, terrible things. God would raise up a neighboring nation to come in and oppress them. They would be oppressed for a number of years until they finally turned back to God and said, God, help us. And then uh, God would raise up a judge, and the judge would come and lead Israel for a time and deliver them from the hands of their oppressors. And this happens over and over again in the book of Judges. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible, and I say that about every book. I realize that, but I, I enjoy the book of Judges because these are ordinary people who do extraordinary things, uh, and it also demonstrates God's faithful forgiveness of his people when they repent. Uh, and I think that's important to remember. So in Judges chapter 6, we meet Gideon. And Gideon doubted God's ability to use him mightily. That's the first blank on your outline. Gideon doubted God's ability to use him mightily. Gideon doubted God's ability to use him mightily. Look at Judges chapter 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, that belonged to, thank you, that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon didn't get it. He didn't understand how he could be a mighty warrior for God. He doubted that God could use him to do incredible things for God's kingdom. And so what he does is he decides that he's going to ask the Lord for a sign. And he asks God for a sign. We're going to read this in just a second. Uh, because he couldn't take the Lord's word for face value. So he asks the Lord for a sign, and God grants his request. Pick it up in verse 17. Gideon replied, if, I, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you're, you're, you return. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and, made, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread 
placed them on this rock and poured out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat from and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abyssalites. Now, Gideon, for him, seeing was believing. He had to see it in order to believe it. He had to see a sign. He had to have a sign from God in order to believe what God had told him was true. Um, you know, we're kind of like that. We're all like that. We've all got this doubt within us sometimes, you know, and we just can't take God's word at face value. And sometimes we feel like if, if God would just show me a sign that I knew he was with me, if God would just show me a sign that I knew he cared about me. How many of you have ever said that? You said, if God would just show me some kind of sign, that, then I, I, I would know that he cares about me. I would know that he loves me. And, um, you know, that's exactly what Gideon did. He needed a sign from God to show him that he was going to be with him. You know, God may be calling you to do great things for him. And the question is, are you going to listen to his call? Are you going to heed his call? Are you going to obey his call? What is God calling you to do? You know what it is. You know right now, God is tugging at your heart. He's been, he's been tugging at your heart. He's been trying to nudge you and tell you, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And you're just trying to resist or you're not sure if it's whether or not it's really God. Maybe God is calling you to lead your family in a time of Bible reading and prayer. And, you know, that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing to lead your family in a time of Bible reading and prayer. But sometimes we get hesitant. We say, I, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, what if they ask me a question? What if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer. My kids are going to think I'm a failure. No, they're not. They're just three simple words. I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I will find out the answer to that question. And then you're going to pick up your phone. You're going to dial my cell phone. You're going to say, Sean, I need help. What's the answer to this question? I'm going to say, I don't know. But I got a lot of books. I got a lot of books in my office. And all those books, they got answers. And we're going to look at it. We're going to research it. We're going to find out the answer to those questions. I don't know, but I, I can find out. I can research the answer. I can find out. So you know what? So maybe God is calling you to do that, to lead your family in a time of Bible reading and prayer. That's a great thing to do. Uh, maybe God um, is calling you out of your comfort zone in order to volunteer here at GFCC. Is God calling you out of your comfort zone to volunteer? You're thinking, I don't know if I can do that. Again, you know, what if I don't have the right answers? Or what if I don't know what to do? Or what if I don't know what to say? You know what? You may think, God can't use me because I'm not very uh, knowledgeable about the Bible or, or I wouldn't know what to do. And God just can't use me. That's not true. God can use you and God will use you if you will surrender to him and say, God, use me. Talk to me. Talk to the elders. Talk to our ministry leaders. Find out where you can get involved. We'll find the perfect place for you to get involved here in the life of GFCC and, and to serve God in some way uh, by getting involved here. We got all kinds of excuse me, all kinds of ways. Like like getting involved this Saturday with the Easter extravaganza. We'd love for you to sign up and be part of that this coming Saturday. You know what? Maybe uh, maybe God's calling you to invite somebody to church. We had somebody in our first service invite her neighbor to church. She came to church with her today. And you know what? The the woman who came with her, she she didn't look very scared. And the woman who invited her didn't didn't seem very intimidated either. 
Maybe God is calling you to invite somebody to come to church here. Maybe God's calling you to invite somebody. You got a great opportunity to do that. Coming up is next, in two weeks, is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And it's a great time to say, hey, you should come check out our church. You should come see what we're all about on this coming Easter Sunday. We're going we're to have our usual 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock services. I'm starting a brand new sermon series that day called Face to Face. And it's people who had face-to-face conversations with Jesus. And we're going to see how what Jesus would say to us if we had a face-to-face conversation with him. So that's a great opportunity to say, hey, you know what? If you've ever wondered what Jesus might say to you, that's what my, my pastor's going to talk about for about six weeks. And we'd love for you to come and check it out and come check out our church. And you think, well, you know, I just, I don't know how to do that, you know? It's very simple. Repeat after me. Would you go to church with me? That didn't hurt now, did it? I mean, that was that was relatively painful. It's, what, eight words maybe? Would you go to church with me? It's not a problem. You know, just invite somebody to come and join us. You know, don't give God excuses like Gideon did. Gideon was trying to make excuses. I'm the weakest member of the weakest family of the weakest tribe of Israel. I just, I'm a, I'm a little weakling. I can't do this. Don't give God excuses. If God is calling you to do something, he will give you the opportunity to do it, and he will give you the strength to do it. If God is calling you to do something for his glory or for his kingdom, he will give you the opportunity to do it, and he will give you the strength to do it. You know, Gideon tried to make excuses to God, and God wasn't buying it. Don't make excuses for why you can't do what God is calling you to do. No excuses. Okay? Well, we're going to fast forward a little bit towards uh, uh, the rest of of Judges chapter 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 33 in just a second. But I want to rewind a little bit to verse 16. In verse 16, God told Gideon, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. I will be with you is what God told Gideon. He was going to be with him in the battle. And God was calling Gideon to deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Midianites. And Gideon doubted God's promise to use him to deliver Israel. That's the next blank on your outline. God, uh, Gideon doubted God's promise to use him to deliver Israel. Now, what did Gideon do? So God is calling him, says, I'm going to be with you. He already asks for a sign. He asks for a sign, and God shows him a sign that, yes, it really was God that was talking to him. So he shows him a sign. So what does Gideon do now? He asks for not one more sign. He asks for two more signs. He puts God to the test two more times. You may be thinking, well, what's the big deal? You know, he had already, he had already asked for one sign, and he lived to tell about it. Well, it may not seem like a big deal, but the Bible's very clear about putting God to the test. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Do not... Put the Lord your God to the test. Do not. It's very clear. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And that's and, and there's only one passage in all of Scripture that God says, test me in this. That's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And it has to do with giving an offering. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Give, in, give your whole tithe. Give your whole 10%. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you more blessings than you can possibly imagine. Okay, that's in Malachi 3.10, the only time in the Bible where God says, test me. Everywhere else, we follow Deuteronomy 6.16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't test God. Very simple. What does Gideon do? He tests God. Not once, not twice, three times. He puts God to the test. I mean, who does Gideon think he is? Why does he think that he can put God to the test? You know, and, and here's the real question to me. Why does God allow him to live? Because God had a very clear and specific purpose for his life pick it up in judges 6 33 
Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples, lots of ites, joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. So they, too, went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece, and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. So Gideon puts the fleece out twice as a way of testing God to see if God would keep his promises. We don't need to do that. We do not need to put out a fleece to test God and to test his promises. Because the Bible tells us that God is faithful to all of his promises. i got two passages of scripture I want to show you. The first is from Psalm 145, 13. It says, The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Amen? And then 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are what in Christ? They are yes in Christ. All of his promises are yes in Christ. It is because of Jesus Christ that we know that God is faithful to all of his promises. We can trust the Lord. We can trust him. We can believe in him. We can know that God is faithful to his promises that he has made, just as he said he would. He promised to send a Messiah. He promised to send his son. He promised to send a Savior, Jesus Christ, to come to earth and live a perfect, sinless life. Jesus never sinned in any way. Imagine being a mom to a son who never talked back. That was Jesus. He was respectful of his parents all the time. Imagine that. He never stole anything. He never took anything that didn't belong to him, which is the definition of stealing. He never lied. He never lusted. He never committed adultery. He never murdered anybody. He always honored God. He always worshiped God the Father. Jesus was perfect, sinless in every way. And yet he was accused by the religious leaders of his day, and they sentenced him to be to be crucified and he was crucified on a roman cross and he suffered and he died on our behalf and he suffered and he died for you and for me and he gave up his life so that we could be forgiven and he went to the cross and he when he died on the cross the bible says that the written code was crucified with him and that all of our sins were crucified with him and now we bear the we bear the weight of sin no longer because jesus bore the weight of sin in his body completely on the cross and then god after three days, raised him from the dead and brought him back to life. And he rose to, to, on the first day of the week. He rose from the dead, and now he lives forevermore. He is reigning in power and glory at the right hand of the Father, and he is coming back, and he will return to take us home to be with him, that one day we will never have any more pain, any more suffering, any more heartache, any more uh, emotional distress, any more mental illness, any more physical illness. All of it will be done away with because we will be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Amen. See, that is the promise that God has made. And that promise is yes in Christ Jesus. 
you may be tempted to ask for a sign. You may be tempted to do what Gideon did and just ask for a sign. But the promises that God has made do not require a fleece, for they are yes in Jesus Christ. You may be tempted to, to test God by putting out a fleece. Don't do what Gideon did. Don't do what he did and put out a fleece. Don't, don't put God to the test, as it says in Deuteronomy 6. Trust God's promises. Trust his promises, for they are true. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. As we sang earlier, his love never fails. And it never gives up. And it never runs out on you. And it never runs out on me. His love remains forever and ever. He will never give up on you. He can and he will use you to do great things for his kingdom. And he will forgive our many sins. When Jesus went to the cross, he went there for a specific purpose, and that was to bring forgiveness from our sins. And sometimes we'll doubt God's love, right? Sometimes we'll doubt his forgiveness. Well, he can't love me. He can't forgive me because I did this. He can't forgive me because I did that. I, I messed up in this way. I messed up in that way. I told this lie. I did this deed. I took that thing. I thought those thoughts. I said those words. We'll think to ourselves, God could never forgive all the things that I've done. That's not true. That is not true. Because when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and God promises to forgive you, those promises are what? Those promises are yes in Christ Jesus. Every single one of them. So you may be thinking to yourself, what kind of role model is this Gideon guy? When it comes to doubt and trust and faith, what kind of role model is Gideon? Because all we see now is just nothing but doubt. And, and he asks God for three signs. He puts God to the test three times. But let me tell you what. He is a good role model because, because of what happened to him. Because he learned to trust. The last blank on your outline is Gideon trusted God's power to give him victory. Look at Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. Early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. Now, if you're Gideon, all right, and you've already shown yourself to be the weakest member of the weakest tribe of the weakest, uh, weakest family of the weakest tribe, and you're, you're pretty much a chicken, okay, and you're Gideon, and now all of a sudden God says, Okay, the guys you got there, you've got too many. So, mighty warrior, we're going to send some home. So he says, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 chickens left, while 10,000 remain. 22,000, there's 32,000 men, 22,000 leave. I mean, what does that look like? 22,000 just get up and walk away. And Gideon saying to himself, well, at least I got 10,000, right? But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with uh, their hands to their mouths, all the rest got down on their knees to drink. And of course, Gideon said to himself, okay, those 300 guys, they can go home. We'll keep the other 9,700. The Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. 
God's, it's God's turn. It is now God's turn to test Gideon's faith. And how did Gideon respond? Well, first he was a little afraid. He was a little scared. We'll see that in just a second. But his fear turns into faith. It turns into trust. And it turns into bravery. Look at Judges 7, 8 through 21. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, obviously Gideon's afraid, he and Pura and his, his servant went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them, with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the 300 men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. God had made promises to Gideon, and Gideon doubted those promises. He put God to the test three separate times. And God patiently waited for Gideon's doubt to turn into trust. God patiently waited for Gideon's doubt to be turned into trust, and that's exactly what happened. God put Gideon to the test, and Gideon passed the test. He routed the Midianites just as God said he would. So here's my question for you this morning. Is God waiting for your doubt to be turned into trust? Is God waiting for your doubt to be turned into trust? You know, he may put our faith to the test like he did Gideon. You know, what kind of a test are you going through? Is God testing your faith right now? Maybe it's a test of your, of your faith in, with regard to your finances. You're thinking, I just don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. I, I, I can't afford to give a tithe. I can't afford to give an offering to the church. You know, I can't afford to give God back a portion of what he's given to me because I just can't afford it. I, do you trust him enough to tithe? Do you trust him enough to give a gift to the kingdom of God? Maybe he's testing your relationships. Is he testing your relationship? Are you doing the right things with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, with your spouse? What is God's test? Is, he, is, he, is there a test in your relationship that you're going to do the right thing? Maybe he's testing your patience. How many of you have ever said, God is testing my patience? Maybe right now he's testing your, well, apparently there's a lot of us he's testing our patience right now. Are you waiting on the Lord? Are you waiting on God or are you trying to make things happen in your own strength? Don't run ahead of God. 
Do not run ahead of him. Be patient and wait upon the Lord to do great things in your life. Let him give you the strength. Gideon was given victory. Gideon was given victory when he quit testing God and he started trusting God. Let me say that one more time. Gideon was given victory when he quit testing God and started trusting God. God gave him the victory. Judges 7 says that the Midianites were routed at the hands of Gideon and his warriors to the glory of God. I got a little something for you. I got a little reminder. Okay? I need Melissa and I need Emma to come up here for a second. Oh, don't you love it when I do these things, when I give you little reminders in my sermons? Okay, so here's some. This is a little piece of fleece. I want you to take this with you this week. If you need more, there'll be more up here, okay? Go out and hand one to every single person in this room, okay? And I'll leave some more up here just in case. This is a little piece of fleece. I want you to take this with you this week. Just as a little reminder of Gideon's story, okay? So as you're walking around, maybe just keep it in your pocket or in your purse or in your uh, in your uh, car, um, somewhere where you're going to see it, somewhere you're going to remember. You may be tempted to test God. You may be tempted to say, you know what, God, I, I need a fleece. I, 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 need a, I need a sign. Don't put God to the test. You know, remember what happened to Gideon. He was given victory when he stopped testing God and started trusting God. So let this little piece of fleece be a, a reminder that you are to trust God, not test God. All right, so wherever you go this week, when you're thinking about it, just kind of touch that piece of fleece to see what that feels like. And remember, we're not going to test God. We're going to trust God. Because like I said, Gideon was given victory when he stopped testing God and started trusting God. The challenge for you this week is to trust God more and test God less. You know, the Lord has been faithful to us. He has been so faithful to you. He has been faithful to me in so many ways. He has been so faithful to us. He has proved faithful in our lives over and over and over again. His character does not change. His character never changes. His grace never changes. His mercy never fails. His character and His grace and His mercy do not change. He has forgiven you of your sins. He has forgiven me of my sins. And His love and His character and His mercy never change. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've, been, if you've believed in Him and you've repented of your sins, you've confessed your faith, you've been baptized, then your sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future, your sins are gone, washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Do not let the enemy bring them up to you anymore. Do not crucify the Lord over and over and over again. Remember that victory comes when we stop testing God and start trusting God.